Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new Flyers Daily. It is a Monday edition, which means it's Mondays with Meltzer through the summer as well. And you can read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, these uh, these playoffs have been very entertaining. Uh, boy, you, you know, uh, lots of overtimes. I, I I love playoff overtime unless unless the Flyers are involved in them because then it's just just nerve reddening oh. uh, you know but it's uh you know but but I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah it's crazy because all four games of the conference final thus far have all gone to extras yeah. and i mean there's a lot to learn from there um so let, let's actually start there because you know all of these games have been tight obviously they're one goal games they've all gone to overtime you had a couple late goals to get it to overtime jamie ben scores the sage veteran the other night to get it to overtime but Unfortunately, Dallas goes down against Vegas in overtime, and then, you know, Vegas gets the game tied, and then all of a sudden, you know, they go to overtime again, and and it's Vegas who wins it in short order, and then it's the the Matthew Kachuk show, back to back overtime game winners in the playoffs. I don't I don't recall back to back, you know, in a conference final, yeah. overtime game winners for any single player. No, no, it's uh, yeah, it, it it's been. Uh... I mean, what what a what a run he's on anyway, you know. Oh. It's uh, it, it's been it's been in, incredible to watch, and you, you get to feel like he's not done yet. So, yeah, that's the thing, Bill. Like, it, it, the I think the area to learn by here is this: is you know, Bill Zito really, really what a what a gutsy move he made in that offseason. A player like Kachuk becomes available, which is rare to begin with that a player in his situation becomes available. And you're one of the clubs, very few clubs, by the way, that he would consider extending with. And, you know, to trade what you traded for him after you won a president's trophy and to go out there and and make that – put your cheese on the line because he did. He put his cheese on the line in a big way. And you get a player like Kachuk who just seems like, from every element, from a skill perspective, the way he plays the game – the way he agitates the opposition, all he seems like the the consummate playoff performer, but that ability to put your cheese on the line is something I don't think you can overlook because you can only do it and you got to do it at the right time. For for sure, and and it also it also tells you that you don't rush to judgment on a trade if a team is mm-hmm. is struggling out of the gates after that trade is made. Um, I'll give you you know I'll give you well it's not, not a trade it's a free agent signing, but. With the Phillies now, I don't know if they're gonna they're not I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs this year or not, but Trey Turner will settle and he'll be Trey Turner, and the, the Phillies at some point will will catch fire. I mean, when you when you have the ability to add that kind of player, you do it. Um, yeah. Again, different sport, different situation, but uh, you know you, you have to be bold when there's an opportunity, and you just you know and you have to be a little patient too. Sometimes it, it takes a while for everything everything to click, but um, you know the the way Florida played down the stretch and, and certainly during the playoffs so far, I mean, it, now, now they look like a team of destiny. Like, you know, it'll be a very hard team to stop at this point. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think you can learn, you can learn a lot of things. And, and another thing too, of course, is that um, you can never, you can never overestimate a hot goalie in, in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, uh, in playoff situations. And, when you get into the playoffs, you throw all the numbers out the window because every series takes on its own personality. 
and it, it's really it's really all it's really all about each individual series and, and the shape it takes on. You have teams that, you know, I'm saying that the Florida looks like a team of destiny, but you know, maybe maybe they get to the finals and it doesn't click. I I don't know. I mean that that, that that's a great thing with hockey is it's true. Every every series somehow you know takes on its own characteristics, and a lot of times it's those overtimes that really. Yeah. ultimately shape how the series goes. You know, the other interesting thing, too, is, you know, sometimes players aren't good playoff performers until they are, or yeah. vice versa, or they were. Yeah. But they're not. yeah. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's very few guys that just are always there when it comes to the playoffs. It's real special to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, finding those guys, you know, Bob was a, a noted playoff, you know, flunky as a lot of people basically called yeah. him for years. Great, you know, a couple of Vesna's great regular seasons, but hadn't won squad douche when it came to the playoffs. Well, he, not only is this team winning now, but boy, has he just been, I mean, he is just locked in right now. I mean, he gives up two goals in, in basically what, like nine periods at this point. Yeah. yeah. I, and I mean, he's just, yeah, you know, <laughs> He's just in the, that unconscious mode, right? It's obviously the most important time of the year. And and so many times, too, it's, uh, you know, uh, particularly with goalies, you know, um, he gives up gives a couple of deflections. That's in, uh, you know, or or in some cases, or in some cases, there were, there were a couple of games last series where he let in some goals that weren't such, such great goals. But yeah. the, the team pulls them out and he gets right back on the beam and, then all this, then all of a sudden he's just unconscious. He's stopping everything. So, Bill, if they win, this is look. I'm going to take a leap here. Say they win the cup and he wins the consmite. Is Sergey Bobrovsky a Hall of Famer? He's, he's starting he's getting really close. Your conversation now. Yeah, yeah. When when you when you get the two Vezinas and and, mm-hmm. and a consmite, yeah. Then then all of a sudden you're in the conversation for that. And he's not, and he's not too old to have some other great years too. Yeah. So. I mean, the thing is, too, the crazy thing is, like, I texted Alex Lyon and said, you did something very difficult at the end of this year. You sat $10 million down the bench. No. He was the, the goalie that carried them to get into the postseason. But, you know, a great playoff performance from Bobrovsky could put him in that conversation because of the years of, you know, sustained uh, you know, great regular season numbers. And it just takes one great run and it changes the perception in a lot of ways. Um, Bill, let's let's talk about you know Cutter Gauthier playing at these worlds because now in six games he's got six goals and an assist. He's coming off a hat trick with an assist on that in that game to boot, um, and he just doesn't look like a player that's phased by who he's playing against. And he looks like one of those players. You see these guys every so often. You go, doesn't matter what tournament he plays in, what competition he plays against. You just see. NHL scorer there you see the transferable skills no matter what level or who he's playing against in what situation and you just when you see a great release you see a great release and this kid's got a great release yeah that's that's absolutely one of just outstanding traits and uh you you see you know you you see how the puck there's there's no wind up on it. He just gets rid of the puck like you know very right quickly. Off a stick handle, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> off stick handle. His, his his ability to go top shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he can just find a puck size opening upstairs, and even he gets it on net. It's it's hard. It's a heavy shot too. It, mm-hmm. It's hard hard to save. You know, it's hard to make clean saves on him. So, 
It's uh, he, he's got all that working for him. And two, and he, you know, he's, he's bigger frame guy, but he really skates well too. Yeah. And that's the other thing you're seeing the worlds too, is just the, the ability to move and get to places and do so with a, a lot of flow to his skating too. It does not one of those guys that's like lumber looking like he's carrying, you know, a, a, a refrigerator up the ice. I mean, he just, he looks really fleet. And, and the other thing too, with that shot, like you mentioned, like there is no wind up. It, it's almost like, you know, he'll, he'll pull the puck from his backhand to his forehand and there's no collecting it. It's just boom off the stick. And, and it's almost like it's, it's a magic trick. Like it's, it doesn't look real. Like it's photo edited that all the spuck, the puck just explodes off his blade. I guess we saw that this year at PC, uh, but you seen it develop a little bit further here from where it was, you know, at last year at draft time to where it is now. I I think it has. Um, he, he's scoring a lot of goals cutting over the middle, you know, and um, yeah, he's scoring from different distances. He can change the angle up on you too. Um, you know, he, he's definitely, he's definitely developed that further. Um, I mean, honestly, the, to me, the, to me, really the biggest thing going forward. And I know the Flyers picture him as a center. They, they view him as a center. They want to develop him as a center. Uh, he plays center BC with team USA. He's exclusively left wing. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably why the Flyers are, are, you know, on board with him playing another year of college because playing playing center, as you know, carries a, the most two way responsibilities of any mm-hmm. any forward position. Um, you're you're playing 200 feet of the ice, and playing playing wing frees you up. I mean, honestly. If his future is ultimately at left wing, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Um, um, you know, uh, I think I think he might be ready to make an impact sooner on wing than at center. But you know, but the development plan is what it is, and I think I think he's a smart enough player that he he could make that transition and be be a really good center too. But you know, if you were to ask, does he have a better chance of being a legitimate first line center or you know first first line winger? I could see him as a first line winger sooner than as a first line center. So it, it, it's going to be an interesting thing, I think, going forward. Yeah, I think you could bring out his offensive game quicker, too. You, you know, he kind of reminds me of Bill in some ways. You know, the way the puck comes off his stick, and he kind of built like him a little bit, too, although he skates differently. But he reminds me of Kyle Connor a little bit with Winnipeg. And we know Connor's put up some really big goal numbers in the NHL. I'm not suggesting that Gauthier is going to come in and do that. But both left shot guys, and it just seems like to me when I watch the puck most, that's the guy I think of. That, yeah, you know, th- th- it looks like Kyle Connor to me the way he shoots the puck. Uh, the, the guy who he reminded me of actually seeing with the uh, development the national team development program going into the draft, I saw a lot of Max Pacioretty, at yeah. his, you know, and I, and I mean, but but that that kind of a player, and uh, yeah. that's uh, that. Yeah, body, the body type. It's uh, you know, obviously it's high praise and then a lot of pressure. But I, th- I think he, I think he'll handle that just fine. Yeah, he's really having a good world, and and it's so good for his development. And for that to continue this year um, at BC will be paramount. Um, Bill, let's talk about Kyle Dubas and the situation that took place in Toronto because, you know, this is a very unique situation. Kyle Dubas was with the organization in Toronto for nine years. He was the general manager for five. He saw out his contract, but went into a, a lame duck contract year. 
bet on himself. You know, all indications from, you know, good reporting were that you know, the Leafs wanted him back. They were working towards that. He had a press conference and said, you know, it took a lot out of him. And then he notified the Leafs on Thursday and Brendan Shanahan that he wanted to be back as GM. Friday morning, Brendan Shanahan drove to his office and told him that they weren't renewing his contract and he was out. Um, there's some interesting things to learn here. He's a, a very young GM uh, with a great reputation for his team building skills with his staff and the players and everything else. And he finds himself on the way out. What's your biggest takeaway from that situation? Because I think it's, we haven't heard the whole story yet, but I think it's a fascinating one. Yeah, especially because it really sounded even a few days before it all fell apart that they were going to come to a resolution. He was going to be extended and, and so on and so forth. I thought he had his best and, year too, by the way. He did. <laughs> no, he, he, he did. I mean, he Toronto actually, as much as things you know fell apart in the second round of the playoffs, Toronto actually had the look finally of a team that could make a really deep run, come out of the East, maybe defend. go all the way. They, yeah, and that that was that was the always the the Achilles heel of the team. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things with Toronto and they still need to sort out is they have so much cap tied into four players, and sometimes that makes it hard to put those final pieces in place. Um. You know, you're sometimes you're not able to like Zach Hyman. They didn't want to lose him, but you know the economics are where they are, and the player goes somewhere else. Um, you know, that that that's always when you. I mean, because Toronto is a team that had to do a, obviously a complete rebuild and go go back to where Babcock was there, and, and basically said a lot of the same things that Torts has said here. Hey, there's going to be some pain here, and yep. the, the beginning the beginning of it was, was pretty painful. Um, you know, you. You have a little bit of a little bit of lottery luck, so you, you know you're you're able to get uh, you know you're able to get Matthews, right? Um, you you're drafting high, not first, but you're drafting high in a really deep draft. So you get Marner there. Yeah. Um, they're fortunate, you know, fortunate enough that um, you know, I mean, because Delander is obviously also a high pick, um, you know, and then and Tavares basically was either going to Toronto, he was going to re-sign with the Islanders, and he wanted to go to Toronto. So it wasn't like a, you know, but, you know, but the the downside in that, again, is you have to tie so much money into those four players, then then the trick is getting those those final pieces in place. And they've, they've built a, they've actually built a decent blue line, maybe not the, maybe not an elite one. And also there's, there's the goal, the goaltending piece too has been a, yeah. been, been a factor with the Toronto. So it, it, it's, uh, they still have the elements there to maybe put those final pieces in place. It'll be another, be another GM. It's just, it, it's just a, and of course they have to figure out Matthews too. Because it doesn't tell That's Matthews. the thing. And now coach, because the yeah. coach was handpicked by Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe. He takes yeah. over for, you know, obviously Babcock who they owed a ton of money to, um, but Keefe, you know, a lot of times it's easier to fire the coach than it is to change the players. But, you know, it sounded like from, Kyle Dubas's press conference before he was let go that, you know, everything was on the table. He even cited Bill Zito and that move that he made for Matthew Kachuk. Um, but now you have this situation where it, I think that the Matthew situation looks murkier than ever, Bill, because of a couple of elements. One, Dubas isn't there yeah. to figure that out by, you know, July 1st and his no move clause kicks in in the final year of his deal. He could walk away for nothing after that. Yeah. And now you couple that with what's going on in Arizona and that that team is 
obviously not looking long to be there. So the speculation of Austin Matthews to go play home in Arizona takes a pivot as well. There's like a lot of elements that happened last week that affect the Leafs and Austin Matthews. And, you know, he could be a player going to market a year from now. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or they might, they might move Nylander this summer. You keep hearing that too. Yeah. It's, uh, so I, I don't know. You believe in the new GM's vision too, right? You know? that, yeah, that, that's obviously, that's, that's a huge piece of it. And yeah. it, it's, you know, you, you take your kicks at the can, right? And then you go out in the first round a bunch of years and you finally get over the hump and then you beat Tampa Bay and then you go out in five and then the second round. And I mean, there, there might not be a crazier market in the NHL than Toronto. Yeah. Um, you know, and also... I mean, and it's not the fault, obviously, of anybody in the organization, any any player. You know, they they it's hard it's hard enough to try to win a Stanley Cup. You know, you can't do that and battle battle history too. It's it's whether you know whether they won the cup back when uh, you know whatever if they won a cup with Daryl Sittler or if they won a cup you know with Sundin. Matt Sundin or, yeah. or, or or whatever the case might be that has no bearing on now. Um, but you still hear it, right? You hear, oh, well, you know, there were six teams the last time they won a cup. There were six teams the last time they got to a final. That, that, that put so much pressure to battle against that, uh, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it, it's a, it's, it's a hard market to play in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, um, so I mean, I, I, I mean, Matthews, I think for the most part has handled, handled it well. I listen, you know, also, I, I don't think I don't think Toronto gets out of that first round and Matthews didn't come up pretty big against Tampa Bay in some of those games that, that Toronto had no business winning. Yeah, down you know, multiple goals. Yeah, so you know that's uh, I mean he, he's a legitimate franchise player. They they have to find a way to keep him. Yeah, uh, what they do is going to be it's going to be really interesting to see if Keith remains, how long that kind of plays strings out. Who's the next general manager? Which is going to bring us full circle. And here's where we'll wrap up, Bill, because you mentioned right out of the gate about Trey Turner signing here with the Phillies. And while playing for the Flyers in this city is not like playing for the Leafs in Toronto, playing for the Eagles is like playing for the Leafs in Toronto or maybe playing for the Phillies is. And it does take a certain kind of athlete to be able to go to a market like this for certain sports or go to a market like Toronto and handle the expectation, the weight of a market. And unfortunately, even though it has no bearing, like you said, the history. And, you know, the recent history for the Flyers is not glowing. And there will be a lot of pressure on any players that come in here. Cutter Gauthier, when he eventually gets here, whoever the draft pick is this year, other players along the way, there's going to be a lot of pressure on guys like Joel Farabee and Travis Konechny next year. And, you know, players that Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost and, uh, Noah Cates and obviously Carter Hart to keep moving the ball forward. Travis Sanheim, there's a ton of pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the biggest element and the biggest asset that Keith Jones brings to the table. I was thinking about this. And when I talked to him last week for Friday's episode, I brought up that, yeah, you were in the media and you were calling games and analyzing the NHL and everything. That's good. But sitting in that radio chair, hearing the expectation of this fan base, what they value, what they don't value is a real big thing for Keith Jones to know very well, having sat next to Angelo Cataldi for all those years. Oh, sure. Sure. And, 
you know, and not not just not just the hockey side of it too. He knows, you know, he knows what these sports climate is like in Philly for all the sports, especially the Eagles, since they talk yeah. so much Eagles all the time. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I he he went into that I think with both eyes open, knowing hey, when you when you're in the when you're in the booth, um, you know, hey, you know, the at the end of the at the end of the night, whoever wins, whoever loses, that's not on you. You're, you know, the, it's on you to do good job analyze the game well all those things but win, winning and losing is an, is a non-factor and now it's everything right it's yeah. everything so i imagine that's something though that will, will excite him too is getting yeah. some skin back in the game you know get yeah. the competitive juices flowing again after all those years and i think that he, he feels so indebted to mr snyder and and for this city like he he knows what the eagles went through because he mentioned i think in an interview on um daily face off that Howie Roseman's the blueprint, you know, a guy that goes out there and does take on some risk. You know, Howie's a guy, but every time there's a big name out there, they're also swinging for those guys that yeah. may not be the place for the flyers right now, but if that's the mentality, then I know fans will like that. It's exciting. Doesn't always pan out, but it is exciting. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, that, that was one thing, especially, Especially before the cap, but even but even after the cap, right? Yep. Even Probably. if there's a Peter, Peter Forsberg comes here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Flyers had some cap space had right after the worst year in franchise history, you know. And they're going after Briere, and they they acquire Tibanen, and they acquire Hartnell, and you know, and they had they had to choose between ultimately ultimately they had offers out to you know all three of the the, the big centers that year, and and it was kind of ultimately okay, um, you know. Did, did they ultimately just just really go hard after Gomez or they go after Briere? They, they made the right choice in that yeah. one. But it but it was it was always very exciting because you'd see the big names are out there and you know and and the Flyers are always part of it. They Jay even, Weber, Jay, <laughs> Jay Weber was, was a huge one, right? And and um, Ryan you know, Suter, I believe they were in on too, weren't they? they? They had they had offers out to Suter, Parisi, yeah. yeah. But before they ultimately made the offer sheet, uh, they actually and they actually outbid everybody on. Yeah. Uh, on, on Suter and Parisi, but they ultimately went to Minnesota. But yeah, I mean, and you just always, the Flyers are just always associated with whatever big names are out there, even, even in the cap age. And, you know, sometimes it sometimes it blew up in their faces like Briz, but, yeah. you know, but they were always in the mix. It was all, it was always, always exciting around, um, around the off season, around July 1st, you know, well, yeah. what are they, what are they going to do? And you know, there's a lot of things to do cap wise, certainly a lot of things to do team wise. But I think the goal is to get back there when, where, you know, your destination again. That that yeah. that ultimately to me is, is a big part of this. Yeah, and that's a big thing that Jonesy and Danny certainly can bring to the table with the leadership of Dan Helferty as well. So uh, we'll wrap it up there, though, Bill. We'll be reading your work on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back Wednesday with another brand-new episode. I believe Danny Briere will be our guest on Wednesday's episode, if not Friday, but I think it's going to be Wednesday. So, uh, everybody, thanks for uh, listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday on a brand-new Flyers episode.